2 Chronicles chapter number 20. If I can get a little bit more mic because my voice is, uh, I don't want to strain my voice much today. 2 Chronicles chapter number 20. With the people of Amnon and others with them besides the Ammonites came to battle against Jehoshaphat. Then some came and told Jehoshaphat, saying, A great multitude is coming against you from beyond the sea, from Syria, and they are in Hezazon, Tamar, which is in Gedi. And Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. So Judah gathered together to ask help from the Lord. And from all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. Then Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem and the house of the Lord before the new court and said, O Lord God of our fathers, are you not God in heaven? And do you not rule over all the kingdoms of the nations? And in your hand is there not power and might so that no one is able to withstand you? Are you not our God? who drove out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and gave it to the descendants of Abraham, your friend, forever. And they dwelt in it and have built you a sanctuary in it for your name, saying, If disaster comes upon us, sword, judgment, pestilence, or famine, we will stand before this temple in your presence. For your name is in this temple and cry out to you in our affliction and you will hear and save. And now here are the people of Amnon, Moab and Mount Seir, whom you would not let Israel invade when they came out of the land of Egypt. But they turned from them and did not destroy them. Here they are rewarding us by coming to throw us out of your possession which you have given to us to inherit. O oh, our God, will you not judge them? For we have no power against this great multitude that is coming against us, nor do we know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. Let's pray. Father, I stand before you, Lord, humbled. Father, that you would Use such a person as I to preach the infallible word of God, the word of God, which live and abide forever. Father, I thank you, Lord, that you give strength to the weak. Father, will you empower me this morning, Lord, not to speak my own will, but your will. Father God, will you please take control of my mind and my thoughts? Father, will they all be channeled, Father, to preach truth Father God, as if you were standing delivering yourself. Father, I'm a conduit. I am pleased. Father, and I'm greatly humbled that you have brought us to this place. We're standing on holy ground that you speak to your children. You are the God of the living and not the dead. Father God, you have not left us as orphans, but you have given us your word. And Father, we want you to know that we love your word. And we anticipate you speaking to us a word, Father, that will challenge, inspire, and change us 
and conform us into your image. Father, will you do only what you can do? And Lord God, we'll give you the praise for it. And all God's people said, amen. amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Thank you so much for your prayers. I really appreciate that. Uh, the Bible says that the prayers of the righteous availeth much. How many of you believe that? And it really does. And so um, I feel your prayers, and uh, I am just so delighted to be able to, uh, to really have been graced to be able to share with you on this Sunday morning. I want to talk to you this morning about the subject that the battle is the Lord. Uh, I'm sure that every one of us have some things that we all are dealing with. We all have many challenges. We have uh, issues with paying bills. We have challenges with our children sometimes. We have difficulties at work. Sometimes things don't go at work the way that we would like for them to go. We have marital difficulties. We have health problems. We have all kinds of issues that we all are dealing with. And, and I would even go so far as to say that because you have been chosen of God, that the enemy don't like you. He don't like you because he knows what God has planned for you. And he knows that God intends to use you mightily in this season and in your generation. Uh, sometimes the question is posed, I, I particularly remember this as a young kid, that I used to think that, you know, if God is who he is, I'm thinking as a kid, then God, how come you just don't make all my problems go away? That God, that you just make my situation favorable. Make things, God, real easy for me. After all, I grew up and I heard them say that God can do anything. Well, that seems like a noble request, but how many know it's not reality? God oftentimes, and I believe this, the more I live, I realize that God oftentimes will allow us to go through challenges, difficulties, and problems so that he can reveal just how awesome he is. None of us will really know the power of God until you've really experienced it. I noted, and I think it was somewhat noted this morning during our praise and worship time, and Sister April alluded to it, but there's something about when you have been going through some things and, and God had to pull you out and God had to deliver you from some things, it doesn't seem it's that hard to give God the praise, amen? when you know that you have struggled, when you had to believe God. But, you know, think about how boring the life would be if God just gave you anything and everything. If, if he didn't have to, if you didn't have to, like, believe and trust to God. I mean, that, that's just, it just seemed like it's just not as fun as the roller coaster of faith. And I know some of you are saying, well, wait a minute, Pastor, I don't want this roller coaster. I understand that. I understand that, that. Some of you are going through some things right now. You would rather, if you had your way, you would be like, I'm not doing this. I don't want a God. Can, you know, I, I know some of us wish we had like the multiple choice, like we can choose and ask God, like, God can say, okay, what problem do you want to handle? What, what, you're going to have to, I know all of us would like to choose, but it doesn't work that way. But no matter where you are in life, 
And no matter what you're going through, what you must remember that as a child of God, that whatever struggle, whatever hardship, you must understand that when you're walking with God, that the battle belongs to the Lord. And, and there's something in us that when we're challenged, that sometimes we forget that, don't we? We forget that because we lose faith. Sometimes we, we don't press into God like we should. We don't pray like we should because the enemy tells us that your prayers are not working because how many know that we like to see things quick, fast, and in a hurry? And when we don't see that, you know, it, it becomes laborious. But it's something about a people of God that are determined to believe him no matter what it looks like. The Bible in Hebrews talked about how that the people of God died in faith, having not received the promise, but they embraced them afar off. You got to know this one thing. As a born-again, blood-bought believer of Jesus Christ, you never lose. You never, ever lose. You're always on top. Even if you die, you win. Paul said to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. In fact, Paul was confused. Paul said, part of me, one is, well, I really want to go be with the Lord, but another part of me realized that y'all need help. But I would really like to just check out because Paul realized that there was a greater benefit. And so when you live there with that kind of faith, with that kind of tenacity, you fear nothing. Jesus, if you read the Bible from, from cover to cover, constantly you just hear the Lord saying, fear not. Fear not. Don't be afraid. Fear not. Fear not. And what is the enemy always trying to get you to do? Fear. You get a lump someplace, right? Oh, what? Oh, is it cancer? And the first thing that happens is fear tries to engulf you. Fear tries to grip you. But how many know God don't want his people walking in fear? Because the Bible says that God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a what? Sound mind. So understand this as the people of God, that we're going to be confronted with trouble. Jesus said it very nicely, and he said that in this world you will have trouble. Do anybody want me to define that? Is there anything good about trouble? In this world, you will have trouble. I one of the reasons why I, I'm just so at rest and I'm so at peace is because Jesus gives me the answers before I take the tests. And he kind of tells me that I'm going to win. He says, because I've overcome, you overcome. And you got to look at yourself as an overcomer. And sometimes, sometimes the battle comes raging against us. But, but God always make a way for his people. I, I, you, you go back to the Old Testament. You remember the children of Israel? When they, were, when they found themselves in trouble, they were oppressed and depressed by the enemy. And God showed up and God said, I see the difficulty. I, I see the oppression of my people. I've come down to deliver them. And how do you know God made a way out of no way? And they didn't have to fight. All they needed to do was to move forward, and God brought about the victory. Over and over again, we see God bringing about deliverance for his people. Such was the case in 2 Chronicles chapter 20. 
Judah was a very small nation, and uh, Jehoshaphat was the king of Judah at that particular time. And he had heard a rumor that there was not one nation, not two, but several nations were coming up against him. Now, at this particular point, Jehoshaphat realized that as small as his nation was, that, that they, in their own strength, they could not handle this. How many of you have ever been in a situation where you feel like it's bigger than you? You can't handle it. Jehoshaphat felt this, and, and he heard that the nations was coming against him. And so what did Jehoshaphat do? In fact, before we go into it, I want you to think about this. When, when you're confronted with your most difficult trial, how do you handle it? What do you do? Where do you go? I mean, you know, we're talking about real-life issues. Jehoshaphat, he gives us some insight. The first thing he does is that he set himself to seek the Lord. Look at verse number three. And Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord. And he proclaimed a fast throughout all of Judah. Now, I want you to understand something there. When Jehoshaphat found himself being surrounded with a problem that was bigger than him, it does not say that the first thing he did was he called his buddy. He did not consult with all of his friends. And the first thing he did was he set himself to seek the Lord. And when you set yourself to seek the Lord, it's not the same. It's not like when, you, when, you, when you're really seeking the Lord, you don't just pray to God as you're just kind of going by. You say a five or 10 or 15 minute prayer as you go. That, that's not really seeking the Lord. I mean, you can talk to God, but when you really seek the Lord, when you set yourself, that means you get rid of all the things that will hinder your ability to hear God. And he proclaimed a fast because everybody was affected and we're in trouble. Some of you today, you're going through some things right now and let the truth be known, you're in trouble. You're not really sure how you're going to make it through. You, you, you don't quite understand. I want to encourage you this morning to take the advice and, and do like Jehoshaphat did. And Jehoshaphat, he set himself to seek the Lord. Perhaps you're looking, you're trying to figure out what it is that God wants you to do. Your career, your family life. Seeking the Lord and through fasting and prayer. Jesus said that some things don't even come except there is fasting and prayer. So he set himself. That means that he was serious. When you set yourself, you make sure that there's nothing that can interfere with your ability to hear God. When you set yourself to see God, he becomes first and foremost. Unfortunately, too many believers, they get themselves in trouble, and then they seek God when they get to a point that, uh, you know, when it gets really, really bad. But what if we are a people that seek God the minute that we hear trouble? What, what if, what, let me just let this, I want you to think with me. What, what if, do you think God would delight in the people that when they got sick, that the first thing they did was seek the Lord? 
I'm not saying you shouldn't call the doctor, but the first thing you do is say, Lord, I am sick in my body. Lord, will you heal me? How many know we got to give God an opportunity to move in our lives? And so Jehoshaphat, he sought the Lord. And then look at verse number four. So Judah gathered together to ask help from the Lord. And from all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. How do you know there's power in numbers? We talk about the people of God praying, and I, I really believe that one of the biggest deceptions that the enemy has sold the body of Christ is that we underestimate the power of prayer. But not only do we underestimate the power of prayer as it relates to our individual prayer life, but the power of coming together to pray. See, it's one thing when you really are seeking God to move in your life, and I've gotten into a habit of doing this, but when you're really asking God to move, you really need God to believe, and you really believe in God for something, find two, three, four, five, six other people that will pray with you. Because the Bible says where two or three are gathered, there he is in the midst. And so what we need to do is that, that we need to learn the power of coming together and pray. And so when Judah called and he said, look, we're in trouble. Everybody's affected. Everybody came. One of the things I, I like as, as we, uh, at the turn of the year, as our church had went through somewhat of a, of a transformation and God began to work in us. I, I, I like how we came together, but, but, but how many know that we can do better? There is something about when the people of God is in the place of God and they're calling out to God together. There's power in praying when, when there are other people that are believing God with you. When we come together, now watch this. You say, well, pastor, I got problems. I don't know how to pray. Then I say, come to the prayer meeting. Amen. And some of you be like, I don't know why, but I can't think of a better place to be than be in the midst of the people of God. I, won't, I don't know about you, but I'm in the trenches. I want to know I got somebody in there with me. I want to know I got some people crying out to God with me, and we're believing God together. All the people came. And what was Jehoshaphat's prayer? Let's take a look at his prayer. Look at, look at verse number 6 in 2 Chronicles chapter 20. And he said, O Lord God our fathers, are you not God in heaven? And do you not rule over the kingdoms of the nations? Now understand how he prayed. What was the first thing that Jehoshaphat was doing? He was acknowledging that God is bigger than the problem that he was facing. And, you know, how many know that God don't need us to tell him how awesome he is? How many know God knows how awesome he is? God knows how strong he is. But how many know that we forget that sometimes, don't we? So our Bible says faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Sometimes we need to repeat stuff just so that we can hear it and understand who it is that we're talking to. And so when Jehoshaphat comes, he prays, he says, oh, Lord God, aren't you God of the heaven? In other words, God, you control all things. All things are held together by the word of your, 
your power. God, whatever it is that I'm confronted with right now, God, I want you to know that I believe that you are bigger than that. Marital problem, sickness, disease, financial problems. God is bigger than all of that. And so Jehoshaphat, he acknowledged the sovereignty and the power of Almighty God. But he goes on a step further. He says, now watch. Now I want you to listen to this. Listen to this very carefully. He says, now, are you not our God who drove out the inhabitants of this land before your people, this is verse 7, Israel, and gave it to the descendants of Abraham, your friends, forever? Secondly, with regard to his prayer, what was Jehoshaphat doing? He was recalling past victories. I said to you before, I've asked you on many occasions, do you all keep a journal? I want to encourage you. You'll be amazed. You don't even know until you start writing down what you prayed. And I want to challenge you. Write down what you prayed, the day you prayed it. And then when you get your answer, write it down. You'll go back and look at that journal, and you'll be amazed of what God did in your life. You'd be like, wow. And so what Jehoshaphat was doing was he was recalling past victories. So when you get in trouble, you need to recall. Well, you know what? I, I remember when I went to the doctor and I was sitting there and I was nervous. Uh, God made a way and I'm healed today and I'm healthy. I remember when I prayed and, 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 and they said that my house was in foreclosure, but, but God made a way and I'm still in my house. I, I remember when, when, when I didn't have a job and I was praying and, and, and God, I was believing you for a job and God, today I got a job and I'm doing very well. I, I remember when I was sick in my body, God, and I didn't know what I was going to do. I cried unto you, God, you delivered me. How many know that will give you faith? Because you're recalling what God did in your life. And, and when you begin to recall, you begin to look back in your life, you realize that God has brought you a mighty long way. Y'all know what I'm talking about. I mean, when you've really been through some things, you think back over your life and think about where God brought you today. Some of, if you know if it wasn't for the grace of God, you would not be sitting here today. Amen. Some of us would be in ditches. Some of us would be drunk on crack, on drugs. We will be miserable. But God delivered us. And Jehoshaphat, he goes back. He says, he says, Lord, I, I, I remember, aren't you the God that delivered us way back then, God, when we were crying out to you? Aren't you the God that made a way that you fed us that bread, that manna in the wilderness? Aren't you the God that provided a way out of no way? How many know he want to make a way out of no way? And if some of you haven't experienced that yet, keep living. Because you go back and you refer to this sermon. You say, I remember Pastor talking about this because I have to believe him. Because trust me, there's going to come a point in time where your faith is going to be tested. I, you hear me? I don't want to put you in fear. But I've been walking with God for 22 years, and I'm here to tell you, your faith will be tested. But you can look back over your life, and you can see the goodness of the Lord. As David said, I didn't give up because I believe I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Hallelujah. And look what he says in verse number 12. Oh, our God, will you not judge them? For we have no power against this great multitude that is coming against us. Nor do we know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. Oh, watch this. That's music to God's ears. God loves it. God loves it when we say, Lord, I don't know what to do. And God, you got to help me. 
You see, you see, one of the things that God is always doing, he's always in the process of weaning you off of yourself, amen? I mean, it's a lifelong process where he's weaning you off yourself. And God wants to get us all to a point where we come to a point where we say, Lord, I don't know what to do. I, don't, I, I have no answers. How many know what I'm talking about? I don't know, what, I don't know how the thing is going to turn out. Lord God, I'm believing. I'm trusting. I don't really see it. God, I, 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 but my eyes are on you. I want to keep looking to you because I know that God is for me, and if God is for me, who can be against me? I know that I'm going to come out a winner every time. I'm going to come out on top. He says, he says, he says, Lord, I don't know what to do. My eyes, I'm just looking to you. I'm just looking to you. I'm stumbling, but I'm looking to you. I'm bleeding, but I'm looking to you. I've got tears in my eyes. God, I'm looking to you. Sometimes it gets really, really hard, but God, I keep looking to you. God loves it. In fact, Paul put it this way. Paul says, I've learned a secret that in, when I'm in my most weakest point, in my most vulnerable, the power of God rests on me. And how many know none of us like to feel exposed? None of us like to be in places of weakness, do we? No, no, we, we, we hate that because we like to be in control. We like to feel like we got the hands on the wheel. And, and God is saying, and God is constantly saying, we just, need to, we just need to look up to him and believe him and know that he's going to make a way. You know, the apostle Paul had to be humble, didn't he? You mean the apostle Paul, you know, I don't, we won't have time to go over it, but apostle Paul was starting to brag about all his accolades in Philippians. I think chapter 2, he talked about how he had accomplished all these different things. And God had to knock him off that, that donkey, whatever that animal was, and humble Paul. I mean, when God humble you, God will humble you. And God will bring you to a place where you realize that you ain't nothing without him. Yeah. And see, <laughs> and that'll get you to praise. We'll talk about that in a moment. We'll talk about why some of us have a problem with praise. And we'll talk about the power of praise because some folks don't have a clue. Y'all think, see, some of y'all, some of y'all got it all figured out. I'm gonna come into church after praise and worship. Amen. Hallelujah. Because you don't understand, you don't know the power of praise. You don't know how offensive that is to God. Hallelujah. I was saving that for last. I kind of jumped. I hope y'all don't, please don't go nowhere. But you know the word of God will step on you, but he's gonna bless you. How many of you want to be blessed? That's what we're talking about. Now watch this. The Spirit of the Lord. Oh, gosh. Look at, look at verse number 14. Now I want you to get the picture. The people of God are praying. The people of God are, are calling out to God. They got all their kids. All of them are affected by what's going to happen. Their livelihood, their security. Everything is under attack. And then in verse 14, the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel. Everybody say Jehaziel. Y'all, come on. Give me, help me out. Be a little bit more enthusiastic. Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah, the son of Beniah, the son of Jeel, the son of Metaniah, and Levi of the sons of Asphah in the midst of the assembly. Here's what he said, verse 15. Listen, all you of Judah and you inhabitants of Jerusalem and you, King Jehoshaphat. Thus says the Lord to you, do not be afraid nor dismayed because of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours but God's. Now, 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 no, watch. Now, if you're listening, I, I want you to pay attention. Look up. Now, watch this. Watch this. Don't ever underestimate the power of placement. I'm going to say that again. Don't underestimate the power of placement. 
I imagine that there could have, there probably, even though it's not recorded here and we don't know, so, you know, I, I would just, just living this life and dealing with sinners, which we all are, I imagine that there was somebody who probably thought, well, I ain't going to go to that prayer meeting. I can stay home and I can, I can pray to God and talk to God myself. And by the way, when people say that, usually they ain't at home, they ain't at home praying. But they just say that. But, but I imagine, but what if, what if the people of God, watch this, I want you to hear this. I know God want to talk to his people. What if the people of God weren't there to receive that prophetic word? What was the prophetic word? You don't need to fight. God says, I'm going to do this. You see, if you're in, see, there are a lot of people, watch this. There are a lot of people who are jacked up, messed up, in jail, cracked up, and everything else up because they're not where they're supposed to be. Well, I got a problem with my marriage. I got a problem with praying. I got a problem with this. Well, where are you? See, the enemy, the enemy, he, he said, well, I need to get my rest. That's good, but don't rest on God's time. The power of placement, being in the right place. How many people, and I can tell you as a policeman, I've locked up a lot of people because they weren't where they were supposed to be. See, the people of God came together. And they prayed, and God spoke. God gave a word, and the word, watch this, the word was for everybody. The word was for you. You never know. You, you decide on the Sunday, so I ain't going to come to church. I'm just going to sit back. You, you never know. Brother Jeff may have a prophetic word in his mouth. May not even come for me, but Brother Jeff. Well, Brother Jeff, can he? That's right. God can put a word in his mouth. He put a word in a donkey's mouth. You never know that, that, that when you're not in the atmosphere where God, see, how many know that, that, that if you want to hear God, you got to be in the right place? Amen. God ain't trying to track you down like that. You got to seek the Lord. Amen. And part of seeking the Lord is being where you're supposed to be. When you're where you're supposed to be, God will speak to you. God will give you a word, and you'll get the end. It's amazing to me. Oh, I need to know this. I don't know how to do it. Wait. Where you at? Are you in the right place at the right time? Don't underestimate the power of placement because you never know where your deliverance is going to come from. Amen. Your deliverance, listen, you say, well, I ain't going to come, I'll come to church after praise and worship. Your deliverance might come through April giving a word that may not have nothing to do with me. That might be just for you. Here's what I'm trying to say, people. God. God wants to talk to us, but we have to position ourselves. Wow, watch this. Let's keep going. He says, now watch this. Don't be afraid. Don't be dismayed because of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours, but it's God. See, now I want you to think about right now what it is that you're dealing with. Everybody. I wish I could see your brains. I bet it's just like crazy. There's movies going on all over the place, stuff. What is it that you believe? What is it that you play? You got to believe that the battle is not yours. It's God. Okay, let me put it to you another way. The Bible says that the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. God will direct your steps. And how many know God is taking you places? How many of you, two or three years ago, you had no idea you'd be where you are today? 
If you had to map it out, you wouldn't be sitting in here. I mean, if you had to sit down and make your own plans, God knows where we would be. But somehow God just twists and turns and he brings us where he wants us to be because the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. So he directs your steps. He directs your path. Why? Because God is working on your behalf. You see, see, watch this. When God has ordained something for you, ain't nothing can stop it. See, my sister that want to be a lawyer, God will hook you up with the right law firm. You don't have to worry about nothing. You just have to trust them. And, before, and you may have some in your mind, well, okay, I'm going this way, and God will totally flip that thing, and you realize, oh, God's way was the better way. Because the battle ain't yours. It's God. You know, Jesus take offense when people mess with you. You remember Paul, the Apostle Paul, messing with the people of God before he got saved? And the Lord had to hit him and knock him. And he said, Paul, so, so, so why are you persecuting me, Paul? Paul, why are you persecuting me? Paul said, Lord, who, who are you? Paul, you've been kicking. You've been messing with my people. When you do it to them, you do it to me. See, I mean, if, if, if God is for you, you, you don't have to worry about nothing. The problem that you're dealing with, you got to understand that. And I tell God, you know, when I was believing God for our church, when we was going through that little situation, we went through at the end of the year, you know, every day I just, uh, this, this is my constant prayer. God, these are your people. God, this is your church. You're going to have to show up. Because the battle ain't mine. I ain't smart enough. I ain't wise enough. So don't go telling me I ain't that smart. I'll tell you up front, I'm not. I never claimed to be. I've just been set by God to be the pastor of the house. And not because I'm great, because he just chose me first. I got here first. That's it. <laughs> it's nothing unique. So don't be talking about me. I'll tell you straight up. The battle is the Lord's. This church will go as far as God want to take it. I'm not under any illusion. And so it takes the pressure off me. I can preach like God tells me to preach. I don't have to worry about nothing because the battle is the Lord's. And if for those who want to act crazy, God will handle you too. We'll just leave that at that. The battle is not the Lord. The battle is the Lord. But the battle is the Lord. But look at this. Look at verse number 17. He did tell them to do something, though. How many know you got to do something? He says, now, you will not need to fight this battle. Now, at that point, you should clap your hand. Come on, clap. Yeah, yeah. There you go. He, you ain't going to have to fight it. You're going to have to be manipulative. You're not going to have to go and lie. You're not going to have to try to force the issue yourself. You're not going to have to do any of that. But there is one thing that I'm going to require you to do. Position yourselves. Take your position. Take your positions. See, take your position simply means that you keep doing the things while you're waiting on God to bring the deliverance because you got to believe, and if you don't believe it yet, you ought to believe it, that you're going to win. You got to, do y'all believe that? Because y'all, the way you look right now, I'm not sure. Do y'all believe that whatever it is you're going through, you're coming out on top. You're going to win, but he wants you to take your position. In other words, why are you waiting on God to bring about the deliverance? Because you shouldn't be thinking about, your, your thought process should, shouldn't be, well, I hope God brings the deliverance. I'm hoping. I don't know. I hope he does. No, you should be like, I know God's going to do it. I don't, I don't know all the details, but I'm coming up out of this. I cannot stay here 
There's no way I'm going to stay in this place. See, the people of God ought to be the most optimistic people on the planet. Position myself means, watch this, the while I'm waiting on God, I keep praying. I keep serving. I keep loving. I keep forgiving. I keep giving. I keep doing the things that God called me to do while I wait for him to bring about my deliverance. See, what a lot of people do, when the times get hard, they step out of position. And you know when you step out of position, not only do you affect yourself, but you affect other people too. Stay in position. Stay. You don't need to fight. I'm going to make a way, but you need to position yourself. The children of Israel, how many know, they did not part that Red Sea. All they, you know, you remember? They get up to the brink of the water, and, and they start crying. We want to go back to Egypt. And Moses says, why y'all crying to me? Tell the people, keep going. And as they went and kept doing what God told them to do, guess what? Things open up. It's when we stop doing what God tells us to do when we get in trouble. What is it that God has told you to do you're not doing? You see? Because that could be the very thing that could be clogging up your blessing, clogging up your breakthrough. And I mean, know that you don't want to clog up your breakthrough. Amen? But, but, but I'm almost done. Can y'all bear with me for another couple minutes? Watch this. It, it gets better. And I was sick, and I'm feeling better. Hallelujah. Let me just wipe my forehead here. But look at this. He says in verse number 19. Look at this. Then the Levites of the children, this is after they got that prophetic word. So how many know that we shouldn't despise prophetic words? God speak prophetically to his people. Amen. Amen. Then the Levites of the children of Kothites and all the children of the Korathites stood up to praise the Lord God of Israel with voices loud and high. Okay, why are they praising God with voices loud and high? Last I checked, nothing changed. Did you notice that? God hadn't did anything up to that point. But they're praising God. After they believed, they prayed together, and they got up from the prayer meeting. How many of you know what I'm talking about? You've been worshiping God. You've been believing God. Sometimes you don't even get the answer, but you just get up because you know God just broke something. There have been times I've been praying, and I don't even, you, I, I can't explain it to you, but I get up off my knees, I just know something happened. Yes. I just know that there was a breakthrough. To pass away, I just know God just spoke, something just broke. I just know something just happened. And this is what happened. Those folks, they, nothing had happened at that point. They hadn't gotten the word that, they, that, they, that the enemies had retreated. As far as they knew, the enemy was still coming, but they got together and they began to praise. And they didn't, it wasn't no quiet praise. Well, praise the Lord. No, no. The Bible says they were loud and high voices. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. God, I'm about to get my, thank you, Lord. I mean, no, when your life is being threatened, when you've been going through hell and high water, you will jump up and give God the glory. You will give him praise. Because I've been going through this. I, I've been believing this is hard. Hallelujah. But, but, but he ought to be quiet in church. Why you tell him be quiet? You don't know what they had to go through. Woo. Sister April last week, she was up here. She started doing a little dance. I'm mad at somebody. I said, what's she doing? She, you don't know what she's been going through. 
You don't, listen, we don't know what we've been going through, but let me tell you something. When you know that God is going to bring about a deliverance, see, God wants his people to act like they believe him. Some of y'all, y'all still don't get it. God don't just want us to talk about believing, but he wants us to act like we believe him. He wants us to act like it, walk like it. I got victory. My head is hung. I'm not coming. I, I tell people all the time, don't come. Don't, you want to have a meeting with me? I ain't having no negative meeting. I ain't going to sit with you and talk about how bad it is. I ain't going to sit there and just wallow. I ain't got time for that. Brother, I'm got, I got victory. I'm moving ahead. Hallelujah. I'm not, I don't have time for negativity. I don't have time to go back and dig about what happened in my childhood past. It's over. I can't change that. Paul says, one thing I do. I forget those things which are behind, and I press on to what's before me. That's the way I'm living. So if you don't want to be encouraged, don't come talk to me. Hallelujah. So you got to act right. Look at the name and say, act right. Act right. Act like you believe him. Now, now watch this. Now, it seems kind of strange to me for you military folks out here. Now, if you're getting ready to go into battle, say you're in Afghanistan, some of you have been there, and, and, and the captain said to you, hey, guys, uh, before we go into battle, um, hey, uh, uh, I tell you, we're going to just uh, bring the brand out and let them play and go out in front of everybody else. Some of y'all be like, excuse me? No, we, we on the, we're ready to go into a battle. What is the band doing out here? They're, they play horns. They play instruments. They don't fight. You see how God is just totally unconventional. That's what Jehoshaphat did. Look, look at this. And when he, verse 21, and when he had consulted with the people, he appointed those who would sing to the Lord and who should sing praise before uh, saying, uh, should praise, be, uh, praise the beauty of his holiness as they went out before the army and were saying, praise the Lord for his mercy endures forever. We get ready to go into war and Brother Jehoshaphat talking about bring the music, bring the band up and let's do some praise. Okay, I, I, I want to bring you in on a secret. Y'all ready? Okay, everybody, uh, just lean forward. Give me your ear. Okay, I'm going to It's a secret. Okay, watch this. Y'all listening? God pays attention to your praise. God pays attention to your praise. Okay, now watch. Here's, here's the problem. Some of us, especially, you know, who come from different backgrounds, we like, well, I, I can't be praising like that. Because, you know, that don't look, that don't look. Especially men, we have to deal with that pride, right? When we got high testosterone levels, you know, we can't, we can't look weak like that. But how many, of you, how many of you would agree that King David was a mighty man of God? David was, David, was a, David was a war. I loved David was a fighter. In fact, David wanted to build the house of God. God said, David, you can't do it because you shed too much blood. David was a, you're talking about David was a man's man. I mean, David, this was the same David that challenged Goliath. As a kid, when everybody else was running scared, David said, who are you to defy the armors of God? But look at 2 Samuel chapter 6. 
You find David praising God, dancing with all his might. The scripture says he was twirling around, praising God with everything he got. And you know there were some folk that had a problem with that. And David's response was, I'm going to be more undignified than this. In other words, you ain't seen nothing yet. Because God was the one that delivered me. He was the one that got, put Goliath down. He was the one that did all that. And you're going to tell me to be quiet? And some of us come into the presence of God, and we just stare, and we put our hands in our pocket, and we stand there like, like God, like, hurry up and get this over with. Because I'm ready to sit down. Just, just give me the word. You ain't ready for the word yet, because you don't know the power of praise. Pra okay, praise ain't for you. Praise is for God. So folk who come in, oh, I got a problem with this song. I don't like this. I don't like, it ain't about you. Praise is to God. They were praising God. They thought, what I'm coming to give God the glory because I believe that greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. I believe I have victory, so I am coming to proclaim it. And the way I'm going to proclaim it is I'm going to stump my feet and I'm going to clap my hand and I'm going to twist and shout. I'm going to do what I got to do. I'm not going to stand with my hands in my pocket and act like I'm somebody. You better humble yourself and learn how to get undignified before the presence of God. Now watch what he says. Verse 22, he says now, now some of you say, but pastor, where you get that from in the word? Look at verse 22. Now, when they begin to sing, not before, watch, I want you to hear this. When they begin to sing and to praise, the Lord set ambushes against the people of Amnon, Moab, and Mount Seir, who had come up against Judah, and they were defeated. And the people of Ammon and Moab stood up against the inhabitants of Mount Seir to utterly kill and destroy them. And when they had made an end of the inhabitants of Seir, they helped to destroy one another. Let me tell you something. Listen to this. You listen and say amen. amen. Watch this. I love this. The Bible says that God inhabits the praises of his people. You know what heaven is like? Has y'all ever read the book of Revelation? It's one big, massive praise party. Massive. I mean, incredible. I'm talking about a party. You ain't seen a party. Those people, they are worshiping God. The Bible said they're before him day and night, worshiping, bowing, praising, singing, shouting. But it's interesting that the Bible said that it's when the people start praising, God set ambushes. I want to encourage you, if you're believing God for something and you're going through something, that I want to encourage you to find your favorite praise and just begin to worship God. You remember I said the Bible says God inhabits the praises of his people? You know what a habit means? That, that means that God just dwells. He sits. Wherever his people are worshiping him, he just comes. He squats right there. He sits. He inhabits. The praises of his people. And when that happened, when the people begin to praise, everybody look this way. When the people begin to praise, God brought about a great breakthrough. Amen. See, that'll change your perspective when you come in on Sunday morning, wouldn't it? Amen. So there's a reason for the madness. 
Because some people say, well, why don't we just come to church? No, no, no. Worship and praise is what God expects of us. Praise is not an option. This is who we are. We are worshipers to the core. If you got a problem worshiping God here, if you're ashamed of God here, he said, if you're ashamed of me, I'll be ashamed. Are you ashamed to clap your hands? Are you, you know, you may not jump as high as I jump. You may not sing as loud as I sing, but there, there's something in you. You might not can do nothing but rock back and forth. But something got to be coming up out of you. Because praise brings deliverance. And Jehoshaphat, they, that's why Jehoshaphat said, put the band out front. Let's worship. Let's sing. And God set ambushes. Let me tell you something. As you and I begin to worship God and praise God, God has set some ambushes. Because, you know, when you worship, you forget everything else. I can tell you from personal experience, whenever I got myself in trouble and I started to worship God, when I'm done, I tell you what, I feel I'm good. I feel empowered. Because there's power in your praise. So look, next Sunday when you come here, don't stand and look. You open your mouth, clap. Don't let April and she, whoever's up here, they shouldn't have to say clap your hands. Well, I don't want to clap my hands. I don't feel like it. Okay. You're free to do that. But just watch. Just know this. And we're done. God takes note of your praise or your lack thereof. Every head is bowed, every eyes closed. Father, we thank you for your word. Father, we thank you for the power of praise. Father, forgive us. Forgive us, Lord God, for not understanding. Sometimes, Lord, we get so into ourselves, but, but Lord, we thank you that you've made us to be worshipers. Hallelujah. And God, it's a light thing for us to give you the praise. When we consider, God, all that we have gone through, God, thank you so much that you said that we don't need to fight the battle. We just need to take our position, trust you, worship you, and you will do the rest. God, there are people that are here this morning. They, they, they need a touch. Reveal, Father, through this word, Father God, where you're taking all of us and conform us to your image. Hallelujah. And maybe you've been one that just said, you know what, I didn't know what prayed. I just took praise for granted. Maybe that's been the hindrance to what God want to do in your life. Let's take a moment right before we go into communion. Actually, this is a perfect segue into communion. And ask the Lord to forgive you for not understanding the power of praise. Let's take a moment and let's examine our hearts. Let's repent before him and ask him to forgive us. So what we'll do is we'll have this side uh, to start first, the middle, 
followed by the third section. You can come up and serve yourselves. You go back to your seat and we'll do it together. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Father, we thank you for your body that was broken, that we might have life. Father God, heal our bodies, heal our souls, heal our spirits afresh. Father, wherever we are broken this morning, Lord, revive us by your spirit. We thank you, Lord, for your body that was bruised, that we might have eternal life. We thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Shall we eat together? same manner he also took the cup after supper saying this cup is a new covenant in my blood this do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me for as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes Lord we thank you for your blood God your blood is amazing the pure blood, the blood, Lord God, that covers us for eternity. Thank you for shedding your blood for us. And Father, we anticipate you coming back soon. Father, in the meantime, help us to occupy till you come. Help us, Lord, to be fervent in business, to be about our Father's business. Father God, we pray that you would baptize us afresh, that even, Lord, as we drink this blood, that we will feel afresh the cleansing power and the sacredness of this moment, that this is just not another moment, but this is a holy moment as we serve a holy God. We thank you for it. 
in Jesus' name. Shall we drink church together? Amen, amen. Amen. Just pass those to your right or to your left. The ushers will come and collect those. Amen, amen. Why don't we go ahead and give God a praise for what he's done this morning.